Okay, I'm looking forward to that day when we are just up in glory land. Um, and uh, in order to make sure that you're, you know for sure you're on your way up to glory land, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to believe on Him and trust in Him. All right, well, this morning, if you uh, take your Bible and turn to uh, Mark chapter number 6. Mark in chapter number 6, we're going to continue on with our series in the book of Mark, uh, looking at the serving Savior. And as you're turning it to Mark chapter 6, and once you get there, if you're physically able to do so, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, signifying the fact that this is the authoritative Word of God. Uh, Mark chapter number 6, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 14 down through verse 29 uh, this morning. We're not going to read all of them right this second. We're going to read actually just verses 14 through verse 16, and then we'll make our way through the rest of this uh, passage in the message. Um, But uh, Mark chapter 6, verse number 14 says, And King Herod heard of him, and by the way, him is referring to Jesus Christ. King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today to hear from your word. And Lord, I pray that you would use this Um, this unique passage of Scripture, Lord, to uh, work in our hearts, to speak to us. And Lord, as you speak to us, I pray that we would be good doers of what we hear. I pray, Lord, we'd be obedient and that we'd have a spirit in our heart that says, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, draw people closer to yourself as a result of this message and, and to each other as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. As I have mentioned several times, our theme for Cornerstone Baptist Church here in 2021 is looking unto Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed upon Him. And I thought, hey, as, as we are instructed to do that, what, what better way, what better thing to, to look at than the life of Christ And to study the life of Christ. So that's why we're going through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark records the life of Christ in a very, uh, very quick manner. Uh, Mark is very uh, much shows Jesus in action. Um, And we've uh, been studying his life uh, thus far. And we're, uh, we're five chapters into it and now into the sixth chapter. And uh, if you recall, uh, Two weeks ago, when we were last in this series, just to, just to bring us back up to speed, we looked at verses 7 through verse number 13, and, and we saw how it was time for Jesus to send out His disciples, despite how ready they felt. Remember, uh, in verse number 7, it says, He called unto, unto Him that is twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. And 
uh, we, we mentioned and we talked about in that message how that the, those disciples may or may not have felt really ready to go out. But you know what? Jesus said, it's time for you to go. It's time to start serving. And uh, we, we looked at their diff, the, how little resources they were, were given to go out. Remember in verse number eight, he says uh, they, they're going to take no money, no no script, uh, only one one staff, and and uh, just take the sandals on your feet and the one coat that's on you. That's it. Uh, also, by the way, you get to have power over unclean spirits. You get to have the power of God upon your life, and and uh, they realized that that was all they actually needed. He warned them of the reception that they would receive as they went in verses ten and eleven. Some are going to uh, receive you, and some are going to reject you. And then uh, we saw how the disciples responded in verse number 12. It says, and they went out. Despite perhaps their nervousness about the situation, whether they felt like they were ready to go and do all of that, uh, maybe a little worried about the reception that they were going to uh, get when they got to the different areas they were sent out to go. Uh, despite all of that, the Bible says, and they went out. And the encouragement for all of us was to go out despite how ready you feel like you are or not, uh, despite how little resources you feel like you have or not, uh, to go out because uh, that is the instruction for us. Now, here in uh, verses 14 through verse 29, uh, we come to the record of a very tragic death. Now, the last couple weeks in our country, a lot of the nation has been following the investigation uh, regarding a young couple who one of them uh, was found dead. As most of you know, a young engaged couple set out on a cross-country trip in a van turned into a camper. And Gabby Petito and her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, uh, were going and traveling around and chronicling their adventure on YouTube. Well, Gabby's body, sadly and tragically, was found dead in Wyoming. And Brian's whereabouts are still unknown. And there is uh, quite a manhunt uh, for him right now. And I don't know, I imagine most of you are at least familiar with what's going on with all of that. We're still waiting to understand more of the details surrounding this tragic death. And that's why they really want to find Brian to get to the bottom of what actually happened. Well, today our journey through the book of Mark brings us to this passage of scripture where we learn about another tragic death, the beheading of an innocent man. Now, I realize that this may not seem like the most uplifting topic to bring up on a Teacher Appreciation Sunday. And it is, uh, it also happens to be uh, my third anniversary here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And, and I thought, you know, what's an appropriate message to preach on the third anniversary? Oh, I know, the beheading of John the Baptist. <laughs> it's not exactly uh, one that you would pick uh, if you had the choice. Uh, it's, but, but, but one of the healthy things about going through a book of the Bible is that you're forced to talk about difficult things. And uh, when I became the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church three years ago, I determined that I would not avoid difficult things and that I would preach the whole counsel of God. The good, the bad, the ugly. The things that are popular, the things that are not, the things that are easy to preach on, the things that are not. And today we come to one of the uh, more difficult uh, 
aspects of the life of Christ, and that is when John the Baptist lost his life. It was, it was a pretty gory situation. Um, but I believe that we can still learn some great principles and, and uh, we can learn some great things and the Lord can use this passage to speak to all of our hearts. And so I'm praying that he would. And so today we're going to examine the tragic death of a great man of God. First of all, I want us to look and notice here a John's godly character. If you're taking notes, John's godly character. Many of us know some things about John the Baptist. In fact, at the very beginning of the series, we took some time to consider his life and, and uh, who he was and, and some of the strange aspects of John the Baptist because Mark chapter 1 records a little bit of how John the Baptist introduced Jesus Christ uh, and kind of instigated that public ministry by, by introducing him. Uh, we know that his dress was different. He, he did not dress like everybody else. Uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse number, uh, uh, let's see, verse number 6, it says, John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. Uh, not exactly the uh, trendy fashion of the day. Uh, he dressed quite different. He didn't, he didn't uh, basically he showed himself to be like, I don't really care about the things of this world. My focus is on eternal things. Um, it, his dress was different. His diet was also different. Uh, he didn't eat the normal food that everybody else ate. He ate locusts and wild honey. And uh, I think when we went through that, I showed a video of our son, Mark, who ate a grasshopper while we were in Montana. He's since uh, eaten a roasted frog at this most recent men and boys camp out. And uh, that, that guy's a glutton for peer pressure, you know. He just, he just kind of, whatever the peer pressure is, and if money's involved, he'll do it. Um, but uh, so John the Baptist, though, he, he did it by choice. No one had to pay him to eat locusts and wild honey. He did that by choice. Um, but uh, so that's a little bit uh, strange, but, uh, but we do know some godly aspects of his life as well and the fact that he pointed people to Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 29, as he sees Jesus walking by, he boldly said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So he pointed people to Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 3 and verse 30, we see his humility. When, when, G, when John the Baptist said, He, talking about Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. He said, I, I, I need to be less and he needs to be more. Um, I have a motorcycle and I enjoy riding my motorcycle. Uh, one thing about my motorcycle, though, it's not an automatic motorcycle. It has a clutch and you have to push in the clutch or pull in the clutch. And, uh, and then, you know, to go, you have to give a little bit of gas and then eventually you need to release that clutch. And there's that sweet spot. For those who drive a stick, you remember all that. Uh, how many still drive a stick? You drive a stick, shift? That's what you drive? Okay. Bless your heart. Most everybody else has a, uh, an automatic, and automatics are nice. But uh, in a motorcycle, you have to release that clutch and give it gas. So there has to be a decrease of the clutch and an increase in the fuel in order for that motorcycle to go forward. In order for us to go forward in our Christian lives, we also need to have less of us 
more of the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, the, uh, John the Baptist understood that, and that was his mentality. And so he had godly character, there's no question. And, and, in, and in fact, uh, here's what Jesus said about John. Here's what Jesus, his take on John was. He said, verily, this, this is found in the book of Matthew, verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So he said, John the Baptist is uh, a godly man. And, and he wasn't just saying that because John was his cousin, although that was true too. But here in this passage, we see his godly character that became his reputation. Uh, by the way, let me just talk about reputation for a quick second. Solomon says this uh, in Proverbs 22 in verse number 1. He says, A good name or a good reputation is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Uh, having a good and godly reputation is a wonderful thing, but that can only be earned truly by having a godly character. Your reputation is who people think you are, but your character is who you really are. And who you really are is going to eventually uh, translate into your reputation. And in order to have a good, lasting reputation, you must have a solid, godly character. And then John the Baptist, uh, there's no question he had godly character. Because even Herod, a wicked King Herod, noticed. Uh, look in verse number 20 of Mark chapter number 6, if your Bible is still open there. Mark chapter 6 and verse 20, it says, For Herod feared John, because, uh, knowing that he was a just man and unholy. And observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. So John the Baptist had a godly character, so much so that uh, Herod even noticed. Herod took no knowledge and, and notice of, of John the Baptist's character. And he said he knew he was a, a just man, and he knew he was a holy man. Now this Herod, let me talk about him for a quick second. Herod was the son of Herod the Great. Say, who was Herod the Great? Well, yeah, he was great, but uh, Herod the Great was the one who ruled when Jesus Christ was born, if you recall that. Herod the Great was so selfish and insecure that he ordered the slaughter of all the children in Bethlehem and in all the coasts from two years old and under. That's how great this Herod the Great was. Now you fast forward to Mark, and now Herod the Great is off the scene, and his son Herod Antipas takes his spot. So uh, the Herod mentioned in Mark chapter 6 is Herod Antipas, Antipas, the son of Herod the Great. Now Herod is ruling, and somewhere along the line, he steals his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. And as we will see in this passage, she is to the New Testament what Jezebel was to the Old Testament. Jezebel was uh, quite a woman. She was not a lady. My wife definitely makes the distinction. That's a woman, not a lady, or that's a lady, not just a woman. But uh, here Antipas, or uh, Her Herodias was a woman, not a lady. And uh, Jezebel was, uh, most of us are familiar with her story in, in the Old Testament. Well, Herodias uh, had the same heart that Jezebel had in the New Testament. And uh, Herod uh, Antipas, 
steals his brother's wife, Herodias, and uh, completely, uh, completely sin- sinful situation. And, uh, and John the Baptist uh, has some words about it. If you notice here in, uh, in verse number 17, it says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. And here's the courage that John had in verse number 18. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So here John has godly character so much that he's willing to uh, not even make any qualms about talking to the king, Herod, here about his sin. And this, uh, what, what took place here, you can just imagine when, when Herod took his brother's wife, no doubt that made the tabloids, that went, you know, all the uh, celebrity uh, blogs went crazy over this one. It was a public spectacle and all over the tabloids, and John the Baptist speaks out against this as sin. And he doesn't hold back just because this was a very powerful individual. He was willing to do what was difficult, even though he knew it may end up costing him. Proverbs 29 and verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And John did indeed not fear man, but instead put his trust in the Lord and said what needed to be said. Someone called him out on his sin. Psalm 4 and verse number 5 says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Sometimes when you do right, it's not always an easy decision to do what's right because you know it might end up costing you. John, I don't know that John really cared or thought about it. He just did what was right. Um, but, but you and I who think about it and think, well, okay, if I do right, what's going to end up happening to me? The psalmist says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Do what's right even if it becomes a sacrifice. And put your trust in the Lord, he says. There's a verse that I read, um, and I'll just, little spoiler alert, this is going to be the verse of the month for October. I've never done that. I've never shared before we get to October what the verse of the month is, but I'm going to share with you right here, right now. Proverbs 21, 21. I read it just a few days ago in my devotions. And it really it just stuck with me all day long, and I had been pondering it. It says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. And John the Baptist was a man that followed after righteousness and mercy, and, and as a result, he found life, righteousness, and honor. Now, it wasn't the type of life that you would want to have necessarily, Because as a result of his decision, he was placed in prison. See, this godly character and courage did not actually sit well with everyone in Herod's family. Herod respected John, but not everybody enjoyed John. Look at verse number 19. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him But she could not. Verse 20, for Herod feared John. 
So Herodias was so upset at John the Baptist uh, calling them out for their sin that she became so bitter towards him that she wanted to end his life and silence him forever. Uh, But Herod was a restraining influence there and said, no, we're not going to kill him. We'll put him into prison. And that's what he ended up doing in verse number 17. They laid hold upon John, bound him in prison for Herodias' sake. Uh, No doubt that was to kind of appease his new wife who was so upset. And he was like, happy wife, happy life. She wants him dead. Well, I I can't do that because I've seen who he is. I know who he is. He's a good man. But I'll put him in prison so that uh, maybe she kind of calms down a little bit. <laughs> kind of si- she simmers down a tad. And uh, every husband in here kind of knows a little bit of the place Herod was in. He had to do something. And so Herod said no, he wasn't going to kill him. That is until he was faced with, faced with a difficult decision. And so I want us to see, secondly this morning, not only John's godly character, but number two, Herod's gruesome choice. See, after some time of John being in prison, Herodias, uh, he, John, or Herod may, may have thought that uh, Herodias was appeased and she was okay with him being, and, and being content with him just being in prison, but uh, Herodias didn't give up her desire to, to kill him and silence him forever. So, Herod's birthday comes along. Pick it up in verse number 21. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. So he throws a big birthday bash for, the, uh, for himself and, and he invites the who's who of Galilee to be a part of this birthday celebration. Well, verse 21, and when the daughter, so everybody's gathered together, and, and the Bible doesn't say that booze was, was flowing, but I can't help but think that that was a major element of this particular party. Because in verse number 22, and when the daughter of said Herodias came in, so this is now technically Herod's stepdaughter comes in, And Bible says, and danced, and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him. The king said unto the damsel, Ask me of whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. Now I can assure you that the dancing of this, of his stepdaughter, uh, was not the waltz. Okay, it wasn't uh, a tame ballroom type dance at all. I believe it was a very sensual dance that was meant to, to, to seduce Herod and his uh, friends that were there. And guess what? It worked. Because here's what Herod says to his stepdaughter after he's been so influenced, no doubt by partial uh, intoxication of the alcohol that was going, and going on there at the party. But then, but then this dance that was meant to put these men in some type of sensual trance. He says in verse 22, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he goes on and further in verse 23, And he swear unto thee, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. 
So, I mean, this guy is not thinking straight. His judgment is clouded for sure. And uh, he offers to give her anything up to the half of the kingdom. So she takes this wonderful offer that has been given to her. I mean, what kind of choice should I make here? I mean, he's given me kind of, I can have anything I want. Man, this is amazing. So she goes forth in verse 24 and says to her mother, her wicked mother, what shall I ask? And she said, immediately, there was, there's no doubt that Herodias had planned this whole thing. This was a conspiracy from the very beginning. And she was hoping this would happen. What should I ask? And Herodias said, the head of John the Baptist. I mean, there was just an, no doubt an immediate response. She knew exactly what she wanted there. She wanted John the Baptist dead, and the one way she wanted to do it was to behead him and to have his head to show as her trophy. So verse 25, she came in straightway. There's that straightway word that Mark uses so much in his gospel here. She came in straightway with haste unto the king. So it was immediate. And asked, saying, and, I, and I'm sure Herod's sitting there going, okay, so what's it going to be? You know, a new chariot? You know, cherry red chariot? What's it going to be? You know, horses, servants, singers? Gold, silver, what's it going to be? And he never expected this answer, but here was the answer. Verse 25, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Now, again, it wasn't that Herod's stepdaughter wanted the head of John the Baptist. It was her mom that wanted the head of John the Baptist because she, was, she did not like what the man of God had to say about her sin. So as soon as this happens in verse 26, the Bible says, and the king was not just sorry, but notice here, it's, he was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake, and for their sakes which sat with them, he would not reject her. Now Herod was definitely in a difficult spot. What does he do? Does he honor his oath to give his stepdaughter anything she wanted or to save a man he knew was innocent? Well, instead of doing what was right, he did what was popular. He chose to please the crowd. He didn't want to lose face in front of those celebrities that he invited to his party, in front of the rich and famous, in front of the who's who in Galilee. He wanted to look good in front of them, so he said, Oh, I guess I said you can have anything you want, so okay. We'll make this happen. And then, sadly, let's look at what happens here in verse 27. And immediately. I mean, there was no hesitation because, again, he knew he had to do this. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison. John the Baptist was an innocent man. He simply did what was right. And now his head is chopped off. Verse 28, they brought his head in a charger, put it on a plate, and gave it to the damsel. The damsel gave it to her mother. 
Verse 29, and when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Heartbroken, to be sure. Herod's gruesome choice. He had an opportunity to do what was right, but instead of doing right, he did what was popular. Teenagers, I'm sure you find yourselves in that particular scenario quite often, especially those of you who go to public school. Do I do what's right and please the Lord? Or do I do what pleases the crowd and makes me look cool and accepted in the crowd? Don't pull a Herod. Can I encourage you to not pull a Herod? But instead, pull a John the Baptist and do what's right, even if it ends up costing you. Herod's gruesome choice. Then I want us to see number three, and very quickly, this morning, Herod's guilty conscience. And for this, we're going to go back to the very first three verses that I read to start the message. Verses 14 through 16. Verse 14, and King Herod heard of him, Jesus, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And others began to, to say, no, it's somebody else. But verse 16, when Herod heard thereof, he said, no, no, I know exactly who it is. It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. See, in Mark chapter number 6 actually takes place sometime after John was beheaded. And Mark here kind of does a little bit of a, a retrospect on what took place with John uh, sometime before this. And now as Jesus is starting to, his fame is starting to bread, uh, spread, news eventually comes to Herod and the first thing he thinks is, I know what this is. That's not Jesus. That's not a prophet. I know exactly what this is. This is John the Baptist who I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. He was convinced that Jesus, or John, had risen from the dead. And I, I can imagine him being pale white as he is haunted by his own sin. As he, as he hears about Jesus and all the works that he's doing, he, he's immediately brought back, immediately, in his own mind, back to that day when he gave the order to that executioner to go and behead an innocent man. And I could just imagine him being pale, going, oh boy, it's coming back. I, I don't know how many nights he thought about this, but certainly as Jesus' name gets brought up, he's convicted. I'm sure over time he tried to repress it and bury this sin that he committed, but Jesus brings it back to the surface again. You see, the pleasure of sin that made him look powerful, large and in charge back at his birthday bash was short-lived, but the guilt that he had because of what he did there at the birthday party continued to haunt and torment him as time went on. So how does Herod eventually deal with this guilty conscience? I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 23. Mark, in uh, his record of the life of Christ, never does mention Mark, uh, Herod again. At least not with great detail. But Luke does. 
go to Luke chapter 23, this is, fast forward to the life of Christ, hours before he is crucified. How does Herod handle this guilt that he's been carrying around for all these years? I'm sure he, he dealt with it and, and sought forgiveness and, and got right with God. Well, let's find out exactly what happened. Luke 23 and verse number 7. Uh, he, Jesus is with Pilate and verse number 7, as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. Same Herod. Verse 8, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him. And he had hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Uh, basically, Herod wanted some entertainment. He said, I've heard of you. Can you do some kind of magic trick for me? Verse number 9, And then he questioned him with many words. Herod began to pepper Jesus with questions. But Jesus answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And this is a very tragic verse here. Verse 11, And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. This is interesting. A uh, little side note here in verse number 12. Same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before they were at enmity between themselves. So even Jesus in this moment can reconcile friends, reconcile people. Restore a relationship. But going back to Herod here, he had an opportunity. He was standing face to face with the Savior of the world. He had a chance to make things right. To say, I'm sorry, I murdered your cousin. I shouldn't have done it. But instead, what does he do? In verse number 11, he mocks the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who would die on the cross just hours later for his own sin. Going back to Mark chapter 6, someone once said, guilt is like the red warning light on the dashboard of the car. You can either stop and deal with the trouble or you can remove the light. Herod, he was under that conviction. As Jesus comes on the scene in Mark chapter number 6. But what does he do? He removes the light and tries to repress it. He said, you know what? I don't want the guilt anymore. And instead of coming to forgiveness, instead of dealing with his sin, he just tries to bury it and cover it up even further. And when he is face to face with the Son of God, he says... I'm going to mock you and I'm going to make fun of the one who was going to die for his sin. Friend, if you have guilt that is eating you up this morning, can I encourage you to deal with it? Stop letting it be a cancer in your heart and in your life. Get right. Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it's something you did or did not do. Can I encourage you this morning to seek the forgiveness of God first and foremost? He is like the father in the story of the lost son who is watching a great way off, ready to forgive and to restore. He's ready to fall in your neck and kiss you despite how bad you may smell from being with the pigs. 
He loves you. He's ready to forgive. He's a God of great mercy and of great compassion. Stop running from him. Stop trying to bury the guilt of sin that you committed some time ago. It's time to get it settled and get it right. Don't be a Herod in this situation. If God's been dealing with you regarding something you, again, you said, did, or did not do, let's get it dealt with. Seek also the forgiveness of those who you hurt. If you know you offended or sinned against someone, go to them in a spirit of humility. Admit what you did was wrong and ask for forgiveness. I know easier said than done, but it needs to be done. Otherwise, guilt is going to continue to eat you up inside. And you don't want your conscience to be like Herod's conscience that was grieved. And then eventually he had a seared conscience. And he was completely cold as he was standing before the Lord of glory. He mocked him. He had an opportunity to get right at that point, but he didn't. And then I would say, be willing to forgive yourself. Stop letting guilt destroy you. Instead, allow it to bring you to a place of forgiveness. The Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. And I think one of the reasons it's so hard is because of the heavy load of guilt that they carry around with them. I've been amazed at stories of those who, you know, committed the perfect crime. We have uh, Brother Foster with us, and um, he's probably known this. And uh, Brother Duke, I, I saw him earlier. He may be in the overflow over there. But, but it amazes me, those who commit the perfect crime still, they know they can get away with it. They know no one's ever going to find out. But you know what? They can't deal with the guilt any longer. So they go and go into the police station and say, I just want to turn myself in. What I'm asking you today, today you to do today is to turn yourself into the Lord. Because guess what? He already knows. The people that you hurt probably already know too. So you can either carry that guilt around for years and years and, and, and allow your conscience to be seared, or you can turn yourself in today. There's been a few moments in my life when I have been guilty of something and I, re, and I have gone to that person or I have gone to the Lord and I have turned myself in. And you know what? It was a great day. And I honestly did not care about what the consequences would be. Bring on the consequences. I just want this guilt. I, I've been carrying it around and my shoulders are, are so heavy. I want to I lighten the load a little bit. So I'm going to turn myself in. But I'm so glad that each time I did that, it, I went away going, praise the Lord. I'm so glad. Why did I wait so long? And perhaps there's somebody here today who needs to turn yourself in to the Lord. Uh, maybe you need to turn yourself in to um, someone else in the room who you've wronged. I encourage you, don't be a Herod. Herod blew it. He had an opportunity to get it off his chest and get right with the Savior of the world who was about to die for his own sin. But he failed. So here is a story of a tragic death. John the Baptist, a godly bold man, died a horrible death because someone didn't like it when he spoke against their sin. 
But there was actually another tragic death that took place. It was the conscience of the man who ordered that beheading. And as far as we, we know, <coughs> Herod died without salvation and is right now burning in hell. How sad. He was so close. He was standing face to face with the way, the truth, and the life. And instead of receiving him and believing on him and seeking forgiveness, instead Herod chose to reject him. I wonder if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, you've been presented with the way, the truth, and the life. Don't get this close and reject him. Here's an opportunity for you today to get right with God and to have a relationship with you, with him, have forgiveness of sins, have a relationship with him, and, and have the promise of eternal life in heaven. I want to encourage you to come to Christ today if you've never done so. And then for believers today, I want to encourage us to do right like John the Baptist did, even if it's difficult. Even if the results aren't what you want, doing right really is its own reward. I heard about a communist soldier. Communist soldiers in Cambodia, they had discovered their illegal Bible study. As the pastor was reading from the Bible, men with guns suddenly broke into the home, terrorizing the believers who had gathered there to worship. The communists shouted insults and threatened to kill the Christians. The leading officer pointed his gun at the pastor's head. Hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the pastor handed over his Bible, his prized possession. With a sneer on his face, the guard threw the word of God on the floor at his feet. And he glared at the small congregation. Uh, we will let you go, he growled. But first, you must spit on this book of lies. And anyone who refuses will be shot. The believers had no choice but to obey the officer's order. The soldier pointed his gun at one of them. You first. The man slowly got up and knelt down by the Bible. Reluctantly, he spit on it, praying, Father, please forgive me. He stood up and walked to the door. The soldier stood back and allowed him to leave. Okay, you, the soldier said, nudging a woman forward. And in tears, she could barely do what the soldier demanded. She spit only a little, but it is enough. And she too was allowed to leave. But quietly, a 16-year-old girl came forward. Overcome with love for her Lord, she knelt down and picked up the Bible, and she wiped off the spit with her dress. What have, what have they done to your word? Please forgive them, she prayed. Communist soldier put his pistol to her head and then he pulled the trigger. She did what was right, even if there was consequences. From the very start, have purpose in your heart to do what's right and never question why. Never count the cost, though everything seems lost. The price for doing right is sometimes high. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone, teenager. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right, do right. 
Why? Because right is always right and wrong is always wrong and we must learn to separate the two. If you love the right, the Lord will give you light. So seek the right in everything you do. Say, I didn't really turn out all that well for John the Baptist. Not in an earthly perspective. But you know what? He did right. He wasn't a coward. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to talk about everybody else's sin, but not, not Herod's, because, I mean, he is the king after all. And, you know, if I talk about him, I might get thrown into prison. They might behead me. He did what was right. Christian brother, Christian sister, let's do right. And if you're carrying around guilt like Herod was, let's deal with it. Stop carrying it around. It's too heavy for us to carry. The Lord never intended for us to carry that guilt. That's why he came and died on the cross, so that we could have forgiveness. A tragic death, but a lot of truth from that tragic death, isn't there? What are we going to do with that, that truth? I hope that we'll apply it to our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study this I would say uncomfortable passage. It's not fun preaching about somebody who was beheaded. But Lord, there's quite a bit of truth that we can learn from this passage and from the lives of John the Baptist and from Herod who had opportunities. You were working in his heart throughout the progression. Through John the Baptist's life and his ministry, you were working in Herod's heart. And then, and then, Lord, you, he had an opportunity to save his life, and he failed to do so. And then, Lord, as Jesus comes on the scene, he had another opportunity to get things settled and get right with you. But instead, he just let those memories haunt him and torment him and pushed him down. And then, Lord, as he's standing face to face with you, he chose to mock you instead of receive you. How sad. But, Father... I pray if there's one here today who's like Herod, carrying around guilt, I pray, Lord, that they would stop carrying it around any further, that they would turn themselves in today and get right with you, get right with those who they hurt or have offended. I pray, Lord, that there would be some lighter Christians because of this day. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us resolve, like John the Baptist had, to do what was right even if there are consequences. Help us, Lord, to be bold and courageous, to trust you. Fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Lord, we thank you for the eternal security we have in Christ. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to go away from this place different because of the time spent in your word. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss Pat to play through on this next song and and as she does, I want to give you an opportunity right where you are to pray and talk to the Lord about what He has done in your heart. As she plays, if you, wouldn't, if you want to have a time of prayer right where you are.
I surrender all. Let's sing that song together this morning. You can stay seated as we sing, I surrender surrender all. Surrender my guilt. I hope that you're willing to surrender that. I'm willing to surrender my friends if that's what it takes. Herod should have surrendered his friends at that moment when he had the choice. But he didn't want to look uncool in front of all of his rich and famous friends. I want to encourage you guys to do what's right, even if no one else joins you. Well, uh, thank you for being in church today. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, my wife and I will be standing in the back, and we would love to take the Bible and show you how to know for sure, according to God's words, not our church's words, not my words, but God's word on how to know for sure you have a relationship with Him and you can have forgiveness. If, you're, if you need to talk about something, uh, I'm certainly willing and would love to, to visit with you, um, but... Uh, uh, let's go ahead and stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. That's not on the order of service, but okay. <laughs>